One of the cool things that I really enjoy about God is how he gifts people in different ways, um, even when it comes to matters of intelligence. Some folks just have a whole lot of gray matter up here. They are just innately brilliant. Um, my wife's side of the family has a lot of folks like that. And then there's folks, much like myself, who have very average intelligence, but the Lord blessed me with this desire to finish whatever I start and to persevere. And so um, I, I have three college degrees, folks, and I don't even like school that much. But the Lord blessed me with this desire that once you start something, Tom, finish it, finish it. One thing that I do lack in is something many of you are blessed with, me not so much, and that's called common sense common sense. Sometimes I'm just not my strongest suit, folks. And case in point, I'd like to share with you something that happened to me recently. I really love apples. I eat an apple every day. Often I'm in my truck when I finish eating my apple. This past week, I had one that was even bigger than this thing. I mean, it must have had growth hormones in it or something. It was huge. And I finished my apple, and I'm going to tell you something I do with my apple core when I'm in my truck, when I finish, and some of you will just be aghast, but I throw it out the window. I do not throw paper products out the window, but my rationale here is it's biodegradable. I don't throw it in someone's yard or grass. I, I look for woods or weeds. In my mind, I'm giving Bambi just a sweet little treat for the summer before Dan Long takes care of it in November. Um, <laughs> and... And, and again, I throw it far away from the road so as not to lure the animal towards the road. Uh, so that's what I do. And besides that, my truck is kind of new and I can't have a messy, greasy apple core in my truck, okay? So I finished my apple, this huge apple core, and the, you know, the power windows are right here by my left. And so I put down the window on the passenger side. I hear it go down. I can feel the breeze. And I'm looking for some woods. Oh, good, there's some woods. But this one's really big, right? So I'm going to have to wing this one out, you know, backhanded, extra hard. And uh, right before I do it, I look in the rearview mirror because I don't want anyone to see me do it because they might think I'm littering. There might be a lesson right there, folks. If you have to look around before you do something, you probably shouldn't be doing it. So anyhow, there's no one behind me. I'm doing about 40 miles an hour. Here's my spot. I whip it with all my might. Now, when I put down a window, I put down a window. I put down the rear window on the passenger side. So within a second, that apple core splattered against the window, then splattered against the ceiling and came right back in my lap. Applesauce everywhere. And all I could hear was my wife's voice saying, you shouldn't throw your apple out the window. You shouldn't throw your apple out the window. Why do I share that little story? Sometimes we have to hear things more than once before they finally sink in. Today I'm gonna to share some you know, basic Bible truths with you, and you might sit there and go, oh, I've heard that before. And I would just challenge you that perhaps, if you're like me at all, you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. So let me go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Dear God, um, so some crazy things going on this morning. It doesn't matter, God. We're here now. We're going to listen to your word. We're going to learn about forewarning signs and evaluate in our own life, Lord. Are we guilty of these? Are we in one of these right now? And how do we get out of it? Because the further we drift from you, 
the more susceptible we are to Satan and his sins. Help us to abide in you. Help us to remain close in you. Clear our mind of all distractions. May each person here just find one or two little nuggets, Lord, that'll help them be drawn closer to you. For it's in your name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Okay, so tomorrow is Memorial Day. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And we should understand that that's more than just the kickoff of summer. Okay, it was created to remind us and to remember and to honor the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. And then more recently, they've also included first responders. These are Americans who died while fighting for the very freedoms we enjoy. And their ultimate sacrifice, their death, describes the irony of the very word freedom. Because freedom is never really free, is it? Someone always has to pay for it. It is always bought with blood. As humans, the greatest freedom we will ever experience is not life or liberty or voting or whatever. The greatest freedom is that we get to choose to turn from our sins, to repent, to turn from our sins, ask Jesus Christ into our heart, and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest freedom we'll ever have in the world. And it frees us from the bondage, from that weight of sin, and gives us eternal life. We call that freedom the gospel. The gospel. So before we even get into our outline and our notes today, let's just, for a little bit of change, let's put the gospel front and center. Bill, would you show the next verse, please? Now, some of you might already be thinking, okay, Tom, seen this before, read this one before. We're just going to look at it just briefly in a different light. But this is the, the, the whole Bible story wrapped up in one verse. You don't have to stand up, but read it with me, folks. Ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, recently, our Sunday school class, and, and by the way, uh, as a Sunday school teacher, I'm going to give a small pitch for Sunday school class. Um, I'm, I'm so glad there's so many of you here on a holiday Sunday, and I just encourage you, if you came 45 minutes to an hour earlier, there are Sunday school classes for adults, for teens, for kids, and I'm especially speaking to the men out there, lead your families Get them here and more immersed in God's word. It'll help you not to drift, as we'll talk about in a few minutes. But anyhow, in our Sunday school class, we took, we're going through the uh, Bible, book by book. We took a break, and we did this little book called The Easter Code. It's by O.S. Hawkins, and he writes all these code books, the Christmas Code, the Bible Code, the Jesus Code, and they're really short little, you know, uh, devotions you can do in just a matter of minutes. But in one book, he, he broke down John 3.16. Bill, if you can show the next slide. He broke it into the four C's, and, and I had never thought about it this way, and I just thought it was powerful. So again, here's the gospel in one verse. The cause, for God so loved the world. Okay, what was the motivating factor? What was the reason that God did all of this, that he came to our world and lived and died and rose from the dead because he loved us. Because he loved us. I know I'm staring at some folks who have been married for decades. I know there's parents here who love their kids. But guess what? Jesus loves you even more. Even more. So much so, we have the cost. 
He gave his one and only son. So this salvation is a free gift to us, but it came at a great price to God our Father. Cause, cost, condition. That whoever believes in him. So how do we obtain it? What is the condition for obtaining this? We have to believe. And understand that that word believe isn't talking about head knowledge. It's talking about knowing Jesus in your heart as your Savior and Lord, right? Lots of people know him up here. Even the demons believe and shudder. But as Christians, we believe in him in our heart. And finally, what are the consequences? Well, they're both positive and negative. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you've asked Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior and Lord, you have eternal life. If you haven't done that, if you haven't repented, you're one of those folks that are going to perish one day. And I'm not trying to be scary. I'm just God's truth. So, if this makes sense to you and you've asked Jesus into your heart, praise God. If you haven't done that, Please talk to me, talk to somebody before you leave today. This Memorial Day 2022 could be the day that changes your life both now and forever and forever. For those of you who have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know because of our sinful nature, we still have a tendency to drift away from God. Today we're going to look at four signs that you're starting to drift from God. Again, look for that one nugget that speaks to you. I only have two pages of notes here, folks, so it won't be long, so give, give it your attention. Um, a lot of what I'm sharing is based on Pastor Jack Wellman, had, had a, an outline, an article that really spoke to me. Who is this message for? Well, first and foremost, it was for Tom as I prepared it, because I'm guilty of every one of these signs, but because of God's grace and his mercy, he brought me back to him. He brought me back to him. This message is for all the folks out here with gray hair or no hair. This message is for all the folks out here in middle school, high school, because none of you have arrived. None of you have arrived. You are all imperfect sinners, and you need to be aware of these warning signs so that you don't bring discredit to the Lord. So there is an outline. Hopefully you were able to grab an outline before you came in. It kind of looks like this. If not, feel free to go back and get one. I left space under each one so you can write additional notes beyond just the one word, whatever the nugget is that speaks to you. So let's go to our first fill-in. Next slide, please. Our first fill-in, four warning signs you're drifting from God. The first one is prayerlessness. Just think of the word. It starts out so great. Prayer. Lessness. Sometimes, guys, if you are in a period or a season of your life where you are just praying less and less and you feel like your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. I was going to illustrate that by having some helium balloons here and saying that these are our prayers and sometimes it feels like they'd never leave the room and I was going to let them go. But I know all my ADD brothers and sisters out here would spend the rest of the sermon Looking at those, and you know, and if one of them went to a fan and popped, it would wake Stan up. It would be, you know, chaos. So we won't go there. But sometimes you just feel like your prayers aren't leaving the room. Or you just don't know how to get started, and so you start to give up. Now listen, it'd be real easy for me to name warning signs and not give any 
any ways to get over them. It's easy to identify a problem. How, how do you solve a problem? So here's a couple things. Next slide, please. Now, again, some of you are going to look at this and go, oh my goodness, I've seen this before. Well, that's great. I'm glad. But do you use it? When you have those seasons where you're drifting from God in prayerlessness and you don't even know how to get started, this is one of the best mnemonics in the world. And in fact, Pastor Tom just did training this morning with me and, and another person, and this is going to be part of the children's curriculum, teaching them this model. And so when I'm in my prayer closet at home, I think of Acts, and I begin with adoration, and I've done a whole sermon on this before, so I'll be brief, but adoration is the big things. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for saving me. And, and, you know, for me, thank you for getting me through cancer, the big things in your life. I adore you, Lord, for my new normal. Confession. Folks, if I didn't do acts, I would probably skip confession every time I prayed to God. And so I confess, Lord, forgive me when my mind goes there. Forgive me when I am extra negative. Forgive me when I am pessimistic. Forgive me, etc. A, C, T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Um, Again, I'm a little obsessive, compulsive, and, and so I'm a very feeling type, so I, I praise God all the time for my eyesight and smell and hearing and taste and touch, and, and I'm so obsessive, compulsive that I do my eyes on Monday, and I do my nose on Tuesday, and my ears on Wednesday, and, and so on Friday I did touch, and I just don't say thank you God for touch, I, I, I name things that I can touch, Lord, thank you for the feel of the sun on my back the wind blowing the hairs on my forearm. Thank you for the feel of the road underneath my feet. Thank you for the hug of my wife. Thank you for the soft facial kisses I can give my granddaughter. All those wonderful feelings. And next thing I know, I've been praying for five minutes, just naming things I'm thankful for. Whereas before, I couldn't go longer than two minutes. And then finally, supplication. Supplication is a fancy word, you know, supply. It just means to ask. And guys, if you can't come up with things to ask, uh, you, your head must be in the sand, okay? I think about Ukraine. I think about what happened in Texas. I think about our own Southern Baptist Convention. If you're in a Sunday school class, you're going to get a prayer list. Right outside here, we have our own church prayer list. There's so many things to pray for. But this acts helps you adore and confess and thank before you get to the asking for things. So this will get you from drifting away and prayerlessness. Let's look at something else that might happen. you, something I just started doing recently. You can go to the next slide, please, Bill. Praying through Psalms, praying through Psalms. I just read about this, and I tried it and, it, and it, boy, it was just like having a conversation with God. So do me a favor. In front of you is one of these blue Bibles. Would everyone grab that, please? Just grab that blue Bible and the chair back in front of you, or folks in the front row, it's right behind you. We're just going to use this together. Make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> Get it? Same page? Okay. So, Acts, Psalms 145. Psalms 145. If you'll open to that, please. Psalms 145. Now, some of you Bible experts are there in like two seconds. I'm going to give you the page number in a second. Some of you are sitting there going through the song, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Some of you are saying, Tom, don't say the page number. I want to find it all myself. All right, but we're not going to wait anymore. Page 621. Page 621. So we're in 
Psalm 145 on page 621. I'm just going to do verses 1 through 7. But what I learned from this gentleman in his article is just read a verse and talk to God. Whatever comes to your mind. Now this, this specific psalm was written as praise. So look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Psalm 145. My subheading, and so does yours since we're in the same Bible, says great is the Lord. A song of praise of David, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. And if I was praying through this, then I might say, yeah, Lord, I, I do. I, I, I praise you, God. I Help me to do this every day, and thank you for everything you've given me. Verse 2, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Dear Lord, I, I do praise your name. Um, convict me when I don't always use it in glory like I should verse 3 great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable Lord when I think of unsearchable it's stuff I don't understand I don't understand why you chose me one of six Roman Catholic Irish Roman Catholic kids and and you chose me Lord I don't get it and and you've blessed me with these wives and wife and wives wife and kids just one and, uh, and, and so that's what I would pray. Verse, verse um, 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So I see that word generation and I go, God, thank you for those, those older folks who helped me when I was a new Christian, who taught me things and, and helped me to return that now that I am the older Christian and to share that with others. Verse 5, Oh, the glorious splendor of your majesty and of your wondrous works, I will meditate. I see that word majesty, and I'm thanking God for, I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen African uh, savannas. I, I've seen the middle of the ocean where the closest land was a mile under my feet. I've, I've seen all, I've seen the, the, a new baby. Lord, thank you for all these majestic things you've created. Verse, uh, where are we? Verse Five, on the glorious splendor, uh, let's see, wondrous works, I did that. Verse six, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I declare your greatness. Declare your greatness, Lord. Help me never to pass up an opportunity to share the gospel. Verse seven, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, I thank you for the worship music here at East Shore and the songs I hear on my radio when I'm driving around. Man, they make my spirit soar. Praise you, God, for music. Okay, so do you get a sense? You just read a, read a verse and then just pray whatever comes to your mind. And next thing you know, folks, you have, have spent 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 minutes in prayer, praying through psalms. So you have acts and praying through psalms. That was number one. Okay. Um, hey, keep that blue Bible out. You're going to use it one more time. Keep that blue Bible out. And let me go ahead and give you the fill-in for number two. Next slide, please. Number two, famine of the word. What is the second warning sign that you're drifting from God? Famine of the word. The word famine means extreme scarcity of food leading to starvation. So with your blue Bible, oh, this is going to be a test. Are you ready? Amos. A-M-O-S. See if you can find the book of Amos, Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, I know. Amos 8, verse 11. Amos 8, verse 11. I'm going to give the page number here. If you're getting frustrated, I'm going to give you, because guess what? I need the page number. 915. Page number 915. Five. Page number 915. That is a small book, folks. That, that's hard to find. Amos 8, 11. 
Again, the subheading is the coming day of bitter mourning. This is the prophet Amos, and he's warning a whole generation of people who are going through a famine of the word and not listening to his word. Let's read it, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A whole generation had drifted away from God, refused to read his word, refused to listen to his word. Okay, you can put your blue Bibles away. You can put your blue Bibles away. Um, Let me ask you, just tell me yes or no, do you think there's a famine of word in the United States? Sure, sure. And, and, And that's often reflected in poor morals and poor standards. My goodness, my wife and I just had occasion to be out in Southern California. We drove out to Joshua Tree National Park heading towards Palm, what's it called, babe? Palm Springs. The billboards. Oh my gosh. You won't believe what they put on billboards out there. But guess what? There's also billboards here about a gentleman's club in Harrisburg. There's ones outside Philly about Cassini. Let's forget about the world. How about you? You, do you have a famine of the word? Are you spending less and less time in the bread of life, the living word of God? If you are, you're losing the greatest source of God's nourishment. When you feel least like reading, that's the exact time that you need to get back in God's word. Put another way, if you could go to the next slide, Bill. When you stop reading the Bible, stop and read it. So you know you have one at home. You know you haven't cracked it in a while. You need to get back in God's word. The further away you drift, the more trouble that you're going to get in. So just by praying through Psalms, you're accomplishing both those first two warning signs. You won't be prayerless and you won't have a famine of God's word. Moving on, number three, number three. Your third fill in on your sheet, and the next slide will tell us that the third one, oh golly, returning, you know that you're drifting from God if you're returning to the vomit. That's a fun word to write down, vomit. Aren't you glad I didn't have Jackson put a graphic up here for that? I'm not trying to be harsh or dramatic or turn your stomach before lunch, but we're talking, this is serious, folks. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Proverbs 26, 11. You are drifting from God, and when you do that, if you drift back to the same old sins over and over. Lord, why am I gossiping so much? Why am I a glutton? Why can't I put this fork down? Why am I addicted to this medication? Why am I constantly thinking about sex? Why am I enraged with jealousy? Why am I full of pride? Why do I have all this unnecessary anxiety? Now, we all have periods of these things, folks, but if this is becoming a pattern, you are drifting away from God, whatever your sin issue is. So you need to grasp the serious consequence of sins. When you drift and you continually return to that disgusting vomit or your sin, it's not like you're stumbling or tripping into this. You are choosing to go back to that vomit. You are choosing to go back to that sin. And when you return to the same sins over and over, you make yourself useless to the ministry of God. And most dangerous of all, if you continue the same sin over and over and over and over and over and over and over, it might be a sign of eternal destruction. 
one may prove that they were never saved to begin with. If your faith hasn't changed you, it probably hasn't saved you. So, how can you break free from drifting back to the same old sin? Well, that could be a a whole sermon, of course. But the first thing you need to acknowledge is that breaking a sin pattern is very, very hard. And the further you drift away from God, the harder it is. I just heard a graphic example of the power of sin this week. It's more graphic than the, than the vomit, but I'm going to share it anyhow because I thought it was so powerful. How does an Eskimo kill a wolf? Have you heard this before? How does an Eskimo kill a wolf? So the Eskimo man will get a sword or a knife about three or four feet long, and they will smear it in walrus, walrus or seal blood and take it outside until it freezes. And then they'll come back in and do it again. And they'll put four or five coats on it until this, this shiny steel is completely covered with this hard coating of dry blood. And then before nightfall, he will go outside and he will bury it in the snow, pointy end up. And then he'll just simply go into his igloo or shack and spend the night. What happens during the night? That lone wolf comes. And it, it, no matter how cold it is, it can smell that blood, whether it's dried or frozen. And it smells that blood and it goes up and it licks it once. And its body becomes inflamed. And it licks it again and it licks it again. And it, it, it just loses its mind and licks and licks. And in time doesn't even realize that the blood, dried blood is, is mixing in with his own blood as he severs and cuts his tongue. And in the morning, they find that wolf bled out on the ground. Now, I know that's graphic, folks, but that's sin. That's addiction. That's sin. You ask the person who got caught in an affair, you ask the person who is, uh, had addictions, that's how they felt, like they just couldn't stop. And the further you get away from God, the more you drift away from God, the harder it is to stop. That's why it's so important to ask for help and truly trust God. That's the first step, to break a sin pattern. Ask for help and then truly trust him. Bill, if you could go to the next slide. A few years ago, our church used to do Angel Tree Camp, and it was a camp up in Denver, PA, and they had a pool, but they would not provide the lifeguard. And so Tom volunteered to go get certified for a lifeguard. So the first week of May, folks, I went up to this mountain retreat, and I was going to be trained how to be a lifeguard. Those of you who have grown up in Pennsylvania, when does the water finally become warm in an outdoor Pennsylvania pool? Never. The answer is never. So you can imagine what it was like the first week of May. All right, so, so one at a time, you know, Tune, go out there, pretend you're cold, <laughs> mission accomplished, and, uh, and pretend you're drowning. And so I go out there, and Tune, are you cold? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, you, pretend you're drowning. Help. So throw us a life preserver. And grab it with one hand and stroke with the other and pull them in. And he says, you did it wrong. Sends me back out again. Are you cold, Tune? Yes. Okay, drowned. Great. Throws me the life thing. This time I grab it with two hands and I flutter my legs, kick my legs because I just want to get out of there. And he tells me, Tune, you did it wrong. Go back. And, do you guys get where I'm going with this? Last time I go out, he throws it out. I just grab it and I just hung on. And I let him do all the work pulling me in. And that was his point. And it's the same message with God. You can't say, God, help me, and then with one arm and still try to do things your own way with the other. 
You can't say, God, help me, and pretend you're holding him, but you're still kicking your legs trying to do it your way. When you ask for help, you just need to hold on to Jesus and let him take care of you. Does that make sense, folks? Just let him take care of you. Of course, you're going to have to do action. Of course, you're going to have to persevere. But initially, you just have to completely submit. And that's how you can break a sin pattern. It's not easy. It's very, very hard. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Last one, number four. Last one. The fourth warning sign, you are drifting away from God, living a solitary life. Living a solitary life. This is not about being single. This is not about being widowed. This is not about how many people are in your house. This is about consciously cutting yourself off from the body of Christ, from this room right here. You can't walk with Christ alone in life. We need one another. When you begin to isolate yourself, then you are surely drifting away from God. This week I've exchanged communications with two people who have chosen to drift away from God. And guess what? Their lives are not going well. That doesn't mean when you're here, everything's a party. But at least you have that source of the love of others and the love of Christ. But these folks have just chosen not to come to church anymore. Maybe you've chosen not to do Sunday school anymore. You know, I used to, used to, but I don't know, it's early, and that's two hours at church, that's a long... Again, I, I know there's different circumstances, but you ask yourself, right? You can fool me easy. You ask yourself, am I cutting myself off? I used to do Wednesday nights, but, you know, work is hard. I used to get the kids involved, but, you know, sports and et cetera. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic or judgmental, but... You just ask yourself, are you isolating and drifting away from God? For my brothers and sisters who are watching online, I need to be careful with my words here. Obviously, if you're home taking care of somebody, praise God for online services. Or you're going through some kind of illness, praise God for online services. But I'll say it from the bottom of my heart, it's just not the same. It's just not the same as being in the house of the Lord. And you do with that what you will, but it's just not that I'm not passing judgment. I'm, I'm just to be here and to feel the love and to be in God's presence with the presence of others is how it's us to be. In closing, folks, in closing, I got one last slide for you. This was the verse we read earlier. Such a simple verse, but what a powerful promise. What a powerful promise from God. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now, I know that's an artist rendition right there, but have any of you experienced that where you drifted away and you came back and it felt like him just wrapping his arms around you and you're wondering, why did I ever leave in the first place? This is a wonderful promise from God. He loves you, and if you want to stop the drifting, if you're guilty of any of these four things, repent, open your arms, open your heart, and just hold on to Christ. Amen? Worship team, would you come up, please?